right. How are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Luke chapter 9 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 9. Um, and we, we're pretty much just going to sing. I mean, we're just going to look at what we just sang. Um, and I don't know about you, but as, I, as we sang that, and as I thought about that, um, man, just the weight, of, the weight of the call to do that. What that means, what that looks like. Um, we're we're going to walk through and, and talk about it. And um, just want to let you know that this morning's going to be hard. And the reason why it's going to be hard is because the scriptures are going to be hard. And the scripture is going to be hard because this is what Jesus has outlined or laid out for us uh, to be his follower, what it means and what it looks like. Um, and you just need to know something that in, in the hardness and the difficulties of, of that, um, man, the, the reward is so much greater. What comes from doing difficult things is so, so much greater than the difficult thing itself uh, of, of having to, to push through and having to, 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 to go all out, completely abandoned to the call that Christ gives us here. And so uh, just, just wanted to, to, to warn you that it's going to be difficult. It has been for me this week as I've looked at and as I've dove into and read and just prayed and just asked God to um, help me be obedient in following him anywhere and everywhere that he would have me go or have things that he would have me do. And so um, it's difficult, but it's worth it. It is so, so worth it. And so the things that we're going to look at this morning here in the scriptures are going to challenge us. And my prayer for us has been this, is that they would utterly wreck us. That, that, that they would break us. And in us being broken, uh, that God through the Holy Spirit would start to mend us and fix us and put us back together in such a way that we could represent, that we could look like, that we could live out, we could act like, and that we could follow him uh, all the more closely uh, as, he, as he calls us to. So, so for me, getting to this place, it was just a few weeks ago. We, we celebrated 17 years last year. I mean, last week, um, seven, yeah, last year, that would be, wow, um, that was quick year, wasn't it? Um, so 17 years last week, we celebrated. Uh, and just looking at that and just kind of assessing the health of our church and where we're at, and uh, what we long for is always more maturity, right? Is to grow and mature, and if you have kids, same thing, right? You don't want your 17-year-old to be acting like your three-year-old. Uh, that's not a healthy, good thing. And so, um, and so you're just always uh, kind of assessing and looking and asking God, okay, what can we do better? How can we better, be better? How can we uh, follow? How can we mature and grow? And it's in doing difficult things is where the maturity and growth comes from, right? It's, it's, it's when everything's uh, smooth and easy, there's not a whole lot of growth there because we can just kind of hit, hit overdrive or kind of just uh, start to, to drift or cruise in those moments. And so it's in the difficult things that, that causes us to, uh, to be uh, changed and to have to to, when we get uncomfortable, to, to work through and figure out why and how. And so um, as great as the last 17 years are, uh, as I look at that, we're, we're nowhere near where we need to be. And I say that because I'm nowhere near where I need to be. I just know that as a follower of Jesus, I'm not even close. I mean, I've been following Jesus since 11 and I'll be turning 40 this year. And, and there are times in my life where I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you are a grown man, Scott. Like you responded that way, or you said that, or you acted that way, or you thought that, or you, you, you did that? As a follower of Jesus that's 40 years old, I would have thought by now I would have been further along, and, and what I've come to learn and know is that, man, that growth is a process, and it takes time, and it's God refining and working and doing in and through. And so my desire for us as a church and as a people is to be further along down the road uh, in the next six months than we are right now, in the next three months than we are right now. 
and, and to do the difficult things to get us there, to press us in areas that we, we need to be pressed in so that we don't become satisfied and complacent and just kind of drift or get, get comfortable in the areas that we shouldn't be comfortable in. And so uh, this is one of those scriptures that I always just kind of circle back to in my life personally uh, where the Lord just challenges me, he stretches me, he reminds me of some heavy and weighty truth that, uh, that I said that I wanted to be a part of. That I agreed to whenever he called me to be his. And so, um, so this morning what we're going to do is we're just going to lay before you an invitation or just a call from the scriptures to, to just come and die to self so that you can fully live and walk out all that God has called for you to walk out and be and do. And it's something that will last for eternity. It'll something that is something that will have an eternal uh, impact. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look here at Luke 9.23. And we'll walk through it for a moment, and then we'll finish uh, with another scripture uh, from the Apostle Paul that will just kind of sum up and, and show us what this looks like lived out all the more as, as an example that he gives us by his life. So I'm going to ask you to join me this morning as we pray, uh, and then we'll jump into Luke 9.23 here. Father, we, uh, again, just, just, just want to say it's so easy to stand in this room this morning and say, yes, we'll follow you wherever you lead us. It's so easy to stand in this room this morning with fellow believers and say, we're all in. God, knowing good and well that I'm not all in sometimes. Knowing good and well that there are areas of my life that I'm just, just kind of got shut off to you ever so slightly. And so, Father, that's not what you've called me to do. That's not what, you've, what you outline in your scriptures this morning. And so, Father, as, as we gather in this room this morning and say, yes, we'll follow you, Father, I pray that you remind us of what that following looks like. Father, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit this morning would fall heavy on this place, on the hearts of the people in this room. And Father, my, my prayer, my hope is that maybe for the first time, someone will say yes to following you. And it happens in the way of salvation. And Father, for those in the room who are yours, <clears throat> who have said yes however long ago, Father God, that our following you would look like and resemble what you've outlined here in your scriptures. It would look like and resemble what we're going to see in the Apostle Paul this morning. So, Father, help us. That's my prayer this morning, is that you would help us hear from you, not me. What I have to say here this morning is, is of no good or no use unless it's from you. So, Father, my prayer, my heart, and my hope is that you would speak, that you would move, that you would work. This is your church, your people. Father, may you have freedom to do whatever you see fit in this place. So then we pray. Amen. So Luke 9.23, uh, a scripture you've probably read a hundred times. I know scriptures that I've preached on before. Uh, I just want to, again, just walk through this for a moment as this will kind of be like a kickoff as we get ready to, to really dive into next week our fall, our fall series of follow me and discipleship and what that looks like and what that means and how that'll shape us all the more as we, we move forward as, as a church. And so uh, Luke 9.23, this is what Jesus says. He says to them all, so he's got his disciples, he's got some, uh, some people there that's kind of following at a distance, kind of gathered, he's there. And so he says to them, if anyone desires... So, so desire here is just a longing, it's a one, it's a, it's a deep craving, right? We, we, we all have desires. Every single one of us in this room this morning, you have desires. Like I had a desire yesterday as it was uh, football season that my mighty Mountaineers would come out victorious, which they did not. So now I'm moving on to basketball season. Who cares about football season? Let's go basketball season. You know what I'm saying? But we all have desires. We all have wants. We have, all have longings and yearnings and things like that that matter to us, these deep cravings that, that, that we want, that we, that we so think we need. And so it's not even a question if we have desires, because we, we all have desires. We were wired that way, we were made that way, we were created that way to desire, to, to long for, to, to want, to have this deep craving. The problem is, is where we find fulfillment in those desires. 
The, the problem is where we turn those desires to or we, uh, we let those desires land. That's the problem. And so Jesus is going to press on them as it pertains to being his, as it pertains to coming after him and being his follower. That's, that's what he's going to press on. And so he says, hey, if, if you have this desire, if there's this longing, this craving, this yearning to come after me, <clears throat> to be mine, that's what he says. And so we need to understand a little bit of context in this day because, because what's happening here is you've got a group of people who are waiting and watching for the Messiah. They're waiting and watching for the promised one who would deliver them, who would help reestablish them as the people of God, who would help elevate them. They are waiting for their coming king. And so there's a possibility that Jesus might very well be this coming king. And so, uh, so there's this desire for a Messiah, for the, the promised one to come and be there and set some things right. So there's this longing and wanting for Jesus to be that. And so there's, there's this, there's this, they're intrigued by, they're, they're wanting to know more, they're, they're, they're interested in. And so as I look at and as I think about that context in this day, uh, I would just say that we're, we're really not any better, I don't believe. And what I mean by that is this, is that, yeah, we, we desire Jesus when he can do something for us that benefits us, that makes us happy or brings us pleasure in the moment or doesn't require or expect too much from us. Yeah, yeah, we desire Jesus in those times or if something bad's happening or if it's a difficult day or if it, then we want to come after and have Jesus. It's when he can do something for me that's going to benefit me, that's going to help me and make me feel a certain way or be a certain way. Just like the people in this day. And so what happens so often is that we'll get mad, we'll pout, we'll sulk, we'll get frustrated. We'll, we'll even sometimes quit because he doesn't do for us what he's never promised. You catch what I said? I, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had conversations with people who've just completely checked out, walked away, had nothing to do with because Jesus didn't do for them what he never promised for them. Jesus never promised certain things that, that we so think as Americans is in the scriptures for us. And so we get mad when he doesn't give us this or when he doesn't do this or when he doesn't act the way that we think he should act or do for us what we think that he should do for us. And so then we get mad and we get frustrated and then we just we check out or we stop or we want nothing to do with him because Jesus would never do that or never act like that or his heart, character, and nature would never be in that way. When in all reality, we have the scriptures to look at and to see what is his heart, what is his character, what is his nature, what is his promises that he's promised to us. I mean, we will proof text in a moment, will we not? Like, like I was Philippian 4.13 all night last night with the Mountaineers. I mean, two minutes and we're down 30. All things are possible. Like, I know, God, I just ripped that out of context, but please... Okay, and he's right. All things are possible, Scott. You've got to learn how to deal with the team that you've been given in the form and fashion that they are and work through that. I am all sufficient. Yes, Lord, you are. That's right, not the Mountaineers. So he just, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, like we, we, we will take a promise that was not intended for us in the way that we think that it was, and we will take that and we will use it in a way to benefit us and make us. And then when he doesn't, and we're done with, we'll have nothing to do, we're finished, I can't believe it. I just can't stand it, and so we, we check out, we pout, we're, we're done, whatever the, whatever the case is, and he's never promised to do and be for us what we think there in the first place. So what I would want to press you this morning with this is, is have you or are you longing and wanting and craving Jesus? I mean, like I said, we, we, just, we just sang a song about it. And what I would press us on this morning is that this is not a, a one-time thing. Yes, salvation is, but, but this pursuit and this following is not. 
And so to test and see, is that salvation real? Is that salvation true? There should be an ever-present desiring and yearning and longing for Jesus. That should be there. That should be able to be seen. There should be fruit for us in our life following after Jesus. And I believe that's what scares me about the church today. Is that, yeah, we like Jesus, we tolerate Jesus, we want Jesus, but we even kind of love Jesus whenever Jesus is for us and does for us what we think he should. But when he doesn't, now I'm not going to follow. And I don't know if you get what you're just saying. Yes, I will follow you anywhere. No, we won't. No, we won't. We're not going to follow Jesus anywhere. We may sing it and say it because it's the right nice thing to sing and say on a Sunday morning, right? But we're not going to follow Jesus anywhere. You, you won't follow Jesus to the restaurant today and tell your waitress about him. You won't follow Jesus to your house today and tell your neighbor about how good and gracious and loving he is. You won't follow Jesus and take care of that issue or that situation that's, that, that's brewing and stirring in, in whatever it may be that's going to lead to a difficult conversation. We, we say it because it's nice and it's easy and it's a cute little song to sing, but our lives does not reflect that. Y'all feel that? I like it. That's the Holy Spirit working and doing some stuff, so just hang tight. It'll maybe get better. But it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's, a, it's an everyday, every-moment pursuit, and that's what scares me about the church, is that, is that we say, yeah, I'll follow him. I'll follow him right out of hell, and then that's about as far as I want to go. And, and that's not fellowship. That's, that's, that's not lordship salvation. That, that's not, it's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not a, a, a so everything good and right and nice will happen to me. And, and, and again, that's, that's, just a, that's just a lie from the pit of hell too, right? Is it not? Like, you follow Jesus and your wildest dreams will come true. No, no, they won't. That's a false gospel that's nowhere in the scriptures because if that's the case, what we're going to see today when we look at the apostle Paul, if that's the truth, then God hated Paul. God hated his disciples. God hated the very ones that Jesus took with him along the way to, to disciple and to raise up to release, if that's the case. And it's not the case. See, see again, that's one of those promises and those, those things that we've, we've bought into to think that Jesus is going to do this whenever he's never said he would do this. In fact, in following him, your life's probably going to get a lot worse here, now. And what I mean by that is this. Remember what Jesus says? He says, hey, hey, don't worry about it. The world hates you. Remember, they hated me first. And so if the world doesn't hate you, there's probably a problem. You tracking? If they are okay with how you live, how you raise your kids, how you talk, how you spend your time, how you spend your energy, how you spend your efforts, how you spend your finances, what you speak out for, what you don't speak out for, if anything, in following Jesus is going to get rough. Why? Because the world hates Jesus. So therefore, the world's going to hate us. And so, so often for us, this, yeah, come after me, I'll, I'll do it. And, and, and we do it to, to try to suffice. And so we don't have to worry about eternal separation and, and damnation and judgment of, of God. And, and, and I just, man, I love you too much this morning not to tell you the truth. That that's not a picture of salvation. That if that's all it is, and, 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 I, and, and again, I don't know what decision or what decision, what happened when you were a kid, but if there is not some sort of desire and longing and yearning and craving to follow after Jesus, even now, even today, even in the difficult days, even in uh, the great, whatever day it is, and it may not be this big flame that's burning huge, but in following Jesus, there's going to be a desire. If you, there's going to be some sort of flicker of a flame there pointing to the fact that you are. And so what Jesus is going to do, he's just going to press on that a little bit more. He's, he's going to test and see that if their desires and longings truly are to come after him. 
to have him. Is it really for me or is it for what I can do for you? Is it really for me because of, of who I am and, 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 and what I've come to do and accomplish by way of the cross? Or is it, is it because you're just, you're just thinking that you're going to get elevated to a certain position and place and not have to go through certain things and, and, and be rightfully restored in that regard? Or is it because out of pure right motives? And so this is where Jesus starts to press and this is what he says. Okay, you've got a desire, longing to come after me. Then, then this is what it looks like. You need to deny yourself. That's what he says, right? Let him deny himself. So that means to refuse to give to or to do something that brings self-pleasure. When was the last time you told yourself no? My goodness, we live in a day that tells you you deserve and you should have and you should walk after and you, you should go after whatever it is that you see and want, whatever shiny and pretty, whatever, whatever you think in that moment, just do it. You deserve. I mean, when, when was the last time you denied yourself and said No. You don't give yourself what you want in that moment or so you think you should have. You don't do what you think you should do in that moment, whatever it may be that's contrary to the way of God and his heart and his character and his nature. I mean, like parents in the room, we get this right. We don't always give our kid everything. If you do, you don't love your kid. I'm sorry, this is what the scripture says. We don't always give them everything that they want every moment they want it, do we? We know better. We know what that does. We know what that raises in them. We tell them no, we teach them no, but my goodness, the moment that it happens to us or the moment that God doesn't do for us what we think that he should, we'll just do it ourselves, right? I mean, I joke about this all the time. Amazon can deliver in two days. Why can't God? You know? I mean, I mean what's, what's the problem, God? What's happening up there? Yeah, well, if he can't do it, then I'll just, I'll just figure it out and do it myself. And, and that leads us down a path, does it not? of just more confusion and frustration and aggravation. And so what Jesus says here is, man, man, refuse, deny yourself. Say no to yourself. Don't deny. And so we just can't always do everything we want to do as a follower of Christ because he just expects more out of us. He has set a bar and a standard for us to be. If, if we're his, then we're going to live like he lived. We're going to act like he acted. We're going to talk like he's talked. We're going to serve like he served. We're going to do like he's done. And so this anti-movement of thinking that Jesus is all about you and cares so much about you just being happy and having all that you could ever dream of, that's not in the scriptures. He has provided and given everything that you will ever need in his son Jesus. That's what God has done for us. And the greatest thing that we will ever need, any single one of us in this room, is to be made right with God. And he has given us that way through his son Jesus by way of the cross. That is the greatest need in your life right now in this very moment. Even as a follower of Jesus, that's the greatest need in your life right now in this moment. Every single one of us, everywhere, he has given and he has done He's not worried about our happiness. He's worried about our holiness. He's worried about us being content in him, satisfied completely and utterly in him. And we know what all this other stuff does in our life if we're just always given and we always have. We're like a kid on Christmas, right? What happens to that kid's toy two days after Christmas if they can even find it, right? We're the same way. We're no different. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, make me, make And he does, and then we... We forget two days after. I mean, we're, we're so easily to become ungrateful. So easily. And so he tells them here in this day, man, desire me. 
desire me. You can't desire yourself above anything else. You can't desire yourself above me or anything else, nothing else but Christ. No greater longing and want than Jesus. And so he, he continues in, with these expectations that he's laid out. After he says this, desire him, desire him, he says this in verse 23, as he continues, he says, and take up his cross. And so as we've alluded to already this morning, that, that, that cross, we kind of lose that, right? We, we kind of lose the understanding and the weight and the feeling of what the cross is. I mean, we, we have shirts with it on there. We have necklaces we wear. We have tattoos. We have all of this stuff. That's, that's the cross that, that, we, that we put out on display and that we have out there. But, but, but we lose the weight of what Jesus is saying. We lose the weight and the reality of what the cross is because the cross is not this pretty nice, neat little thing that you put on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. I, I, I mean, it, it would be like us going and getting t-shirts of the electric chair and, and wearing them and putting them on and be like, hey, man, yeah, like, look, take up your electric chair. Because that's what the cross is. And so what Jesus is telling them here in this moment, you, you've got a desire and a longing and a craving to follow me, to, to, to be mine, to, uh, to come after me, then, then what you've got to do is you've got to deny yourself, tell yourself no, and then you have to take up your cross. You, you've got to die is what he says. You have got to die. And this is a death blow to self-desire. This isn't just any little death. It's a violent death is what it is. Like, like crucifixion is not a cutesy, quick little uh, uh, death or, 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 or sacrifice. Or, um, it's, not, it's not nice and neat. It's violent. It's degrading. And then that's what Jesus says is to take up your cross. Die to self. Die to self. Those desires, those longings. And the thing about death, death is forever, is it not? Death is forever because almost dying changes nothing, but dying changes everything. And the problem in the church is that we've kind of gotten real close to it. We've almost kind of died, but we haven't really. And so we may lay something down on the altar or take up that cross for a second, but ah, it's just too heavy and put it down. Uh, it just doesn't fit in my time schedule today. It just doesn't work with where I'm at right now. And so that's the thing about taking up your cross. There's not an almost death or when I feel like it. Because that's not death. Death is final, right? Death is final. And, and, and this is where Jesus even goes a little bit further than that because he says not to just take up your cross because you think that we would get that, right? Like we get and understand that death is final and that it's, that it's there and there's no coming back from it and that, it, that it, well, when you're dead, you're dead. But, but then he puts this little word there and he says daily. And, and so what, what he's saying is this, is this in every moment of every day type thing that we have got to remind ourselves because everything in us fights for life and usually not life for Jesus, but life for self. Life for own desires, life for own pleasures, life for uh, whatever I like, whatever I want to do in the moment. And what Jesus says, no, no, you need to die daily. Every moment of every day, you've got to murder your desire and your wants uh, that are contrary to who I am and, and what I've called you to do and be. That's what he says. So this week I was, I was reading, reading a little bit and um, I'm uh, somewhat familiar with, but just kind of dug in a little bit more about this story about, about an amen, uh, a man named Jim Elliott. He was a missionary. And maybe you've, you've heard of this story. I, I, I don't know. I think it was back in the, in the 50s. I think 56 is when it was, 1956, and that, that, kind of that era. Um, and so Jim Elliott is, is a missionary. And so Jim takes uh, Nate, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, and Peter Fleming, and Roger Yoderin, and so they, they're going to be missionaries in Ecuador, and there's this tribe that's been unreached. 
And so what they do is that they, they start to do things to try to earn their trust and earn, um, let them know that they're safe and that there's nothing to worry about. And so as they would circle in the plane, they would drop things out, parachute things out to this tribe to, uh, to let them know that they're friendly, to let them know that they're uh, there to help, that they don't want to uh, be a threat or anything like that. And so uh, their heart and their desire was to go and take the gospel to an unreached people group, uh, a, a tribe that has never, ever, ever, ever heard the name of Jesus that is unaware of anything in that regard. And so January 8th, 1956, they land. And as they land, they get out of their plane. And as they get out of their plane, they, they approach this tribe. And you know what the tribe does? The tribe spears them to death. The tribe murders them. In that moment, right there, as they're trying to reach the Haran Indians for the first time in history with the gospel of Jesus, their life is taken. Their life is taken. And I can remember reading something that, that was just a conversation between Jim and his mom. I think there were some letters or something. And his, his parents, uh, the way that I read it, was, was wanting him not to do it, to come back, to just be cautious, be careful, don't, don't do it. Warned him of the dangers, but he would not listen. And he said, man, what God has called me to is so much greater than even living life here. It's so much greater and so Jim is, is known for, for this quote. He says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mm. Did you hear that? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And does this not sum up that verse perfectly? Uh, does, this, does this not just encapsulate that verse, the meaning and the heart of what Jesus said? Hey, you have a desire to follow me? Then deny yourself and take up your cross deny yourself, tell yourself no, die to self, die to self, die to your desires and your longings and your yearnings. I mean, I mean who, wants to, who wants to go do that? Who, who wants to get in a plane and try to reach an un, unreached people group not knowing, but, but chances are that, that death is imminent? Even as I was reading this week, you know what I read? I read this week that um, what studies say and like, like some of the autopsy stuff and things that they've got is, is that those men had guns. They, they, they had guns with them. And do you know what they chose not to do? Defend their life. Defend their own life at the chance and the cost of it being taken. And they don't do it. They don't use the guns to defend themselves. Why? Because if they take the life of someone in that tribe, what happens to them for all eternity? And they knew the weight and the cost of eternity and what that meant. And they were willing to go and lay down their life, lay down their desires, lay down their time, lay down their energy, lay down, their, lay down everything for the cost of taking the gospel to people who've never heard it. And so I almost feel silly and goofy saying, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. I won't follow him into my neighborhood. I won't follow him into my workplace tomorrow. I won't follow him into the school system. I won't follow him into my, my own house half the time. But yeah, I'll stand here and I'll sing a cute little song for you. I'll be real nice about it and even raise my hand sometimes and I'll say all the right nice things. But, but, but when the moment hits, man, when they start throwing spears at me, when they start saying all this stuff and acting this way, or when it's going to get difficult, or what will they think about me if I tell them about Jesus? Who cares what they think? I mean, the creator of the universe is the one that matters. His, his reality of, of who you are is what matters. And so he says, if you desire, 
And the reality is this, is that God has placed in every heart that desire to be his, to have relationship with him. The question is, what are you doing with that? You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross every moment of every day so that you can live for him and live out him. And then when we've done that, we can get to this next part where he says, and now follow me, to go after, to strive for. To, to, to stay there and pursue all, all that he has said, him, follow me. Now, now do it. Do, do it. Come, come after and walk like I would walk, talk like I would talk, act like I would act, respond the way that I would respond, do like what I would do. And, and hear me, we will never do that, one, first and foremost, if we're not his. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've not been born again, you, you can't do this. I mean, you can try to force yourself and you can try to, to play the game and you can try to, uh, for whatever, however long, whatever, but you're not going to do it. You're not going to deny yourself. You're not gonna t- it's hard enough as a believer to say no to me. I mean, I am very persuasive in my head. And I can't tell you the amount of time that God's voice sounds very much like mine. So if you're not his, you'll never do this. Because it's difficult enough as, as a follower of his to deny myself and to, to kill myself, to, to say no to desires and longings and wants that I want. And so the thing about following, the thing about following is you have to have somebody that you're pursuing, that you're going after. And it has to be that of Jesus. And the way you do that is through his word. The way you do that is through his church. The way you do that is through, through prayer. The way you do that is in community with other believers. The way you do that is serving. The way you do that is, is, is a number of ways that you follow after him and act and live and be like he is. So how are you doing following Jesus? Which brings me to Acts chapter 20. Turn over to Acts 20, verse 22 real fast. Acts 20, verse 20, 22, and then we'll start to kind of to land things here. And I just want to kind of give us some, some background and let us know what's happening. So you have Paul, the Apostle Paul, who spends um, three years here in Ephesus. He's teaching and he's building up the church. And so then you see kind of at the end, end of the chapter, um, uh, in verse 31, he says, for, for three years I've not ceased night or day to admonish everyone with tears. So he, he's just praying for and admonishing and loving and caring for, uh, with, with, I mean, so much so that it physically has, has, has wrecked him. And, and, and so he's, he's successful in, the, in, his administering, in his ministry there, according to Acts 19.10. It says that, that all the residents of Asia had heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Man, he's been successful so much so that he has spread, the gospel has spread, and everyone, get your minds around that for a second, everyone, all the residents of Asia has heard the word of the Lord, has heard the gospel. And so that, that's what the apostle Paul has, has done, and so he, let, he leaves Ephesus, and he spends the winter in Corinth, that's there in, there in Greece, and so he spent the winter in Corinth, and now he's on his way back to Jerusalem. And so he's kind of hurrying to try to get back by Pentecost, and so he, he wants one more time to just stop and just have contact with the leaders of the church there in Ephesus, those that he's poured his life out in for the three years, and so he, he wants to meet with them one more time, and so uh, when his boat is, is put in there, there at, at Miletus, he, uh, some 20 miles away from Ephesus, he, he sends for the elders of the church to come and meet him. And so what we're going to see is a very personal word here from the Apostle Paul. You're going to see some of his deepest convictions lived out especially what it means to follow after Jesus in the way that Jesus has just outlined for us in, in Luke here. And so Acts 20, verse 22, listen to this. He says, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem. He says, I'm constrained. Constrained means controlled, kind of, kind of bound. How's he bound? He's bound by the Spirit, not knowing what's going to happen to him there. So we've got the Holy Spirit of God leading Paul somewhere. 
He's constrained, he's, he's captured by, he's, he's, he's held prisoner to, to that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to take him somewhere that he's not quite certain what's going to happen. He has some sort of an idea, and he's going to kind of uh, unpack that for us here in a second, but he's, he's headed to Jerusalem, because that's where the Holy Spirit's leading him, and he's going to follow after and go. And he says this in verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit, so the, the Spirit of God in him does this, it testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits for me. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you send me. And the Apostle Paul says, I know one thing for certain. The, the Holy Spirit has told me that there's going to be affliction and imprisonment everywhere I go. Anywhere. So what does he do? He just quits and goes home. No. He presses in and he follows all the more closely. He, he doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He doesn't, ah, this is getting a little too rocky and rough. They're going to hurt my feelings. They might unfriend me on Facebook. They, they won't invite me to be a part of something. They, there's none of that in him. Why? Because the gospel the gospel is the greatest thing in his life that he needs to get out and share. And the cost of following Jesus is uncomfortable. And it's imprisonment and it's difficulties. And he doesn't care. Because Jesus is greater than that. Following after Jesus is greater than that. And that's what he does. The Holy Spirit tells him. Imprisonment, afflictions. That's what's coming. He knows this is what's going to happen. Why? Why? Why does this not pose a problem for him? Why is this not a, a big deal? Why is this not an issue for the Apostle Paul? Well, look, look what he says in verse 24. This is why he says, But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself. Sounds like something a dead man would say, isn't it? Sounds like something that somebody whose desires and longings and yearnings, who's died to that, would say. Did you know that the most dangerous person in the world is the one who's afraid to die? You ever in a fight, the most dangerous person in that fight is the one who isn't afraid to die, who isn't afraid to lay down their life. That's the Apostle Paul. And you see that, don't you? You see that, you see that in his life. You see that in his writings. You see that. I mean, they throw him in prison. What happens? He gets all the prison guards saved. The, the, whole, the whole jail looks different, okay? So we're not going to do that. We're just going to beat him. You beat him. He praises God for the fact that you even count him worthy uh, to face that kind of affliction uh, and, and, and disciplining uh, like Christ would. Okay, so you do that, he goes praising God because you beat him half to death. You leave him alone, he just continues to share the gospel. Uh, you, you couldn't touch him. Why couldn't you touch him? Because his life wasn't his. His desires wasn't his. It was wrapped up around the reality of who Christ was and what he's called him to. You, you couldn't touch the man. You couldn't hurt him because he doesn't account his life of any value. And it's like, there's no value in this. You can't hurt my feelings. You can't crush me. You can't take my life from me. You can't, you can't do anything to me. Why? Because I'm living in the will of God. And it's just being revealed to me what that will is and what that looks like and what that means. But what I do know is this. I'm going to deny self. I'm going to die to self. And I'm going to follow after him. My desires and my longings are nothing compared to him. There's no value other than that in Christ. That's what Paul says. That's how he lived after he became a believer died to self and lives to what really mattered. Why? Look at verse 24 as he continues. He says, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is the filter that Paul ran everything through. Is this going to allow me? Is the Holy Spirit going to lead me to? Is he leading me? And is he going to allow me? Is this an opportunity that's going to allow me to share and spread the gospel? That's every decision he made. Does it align with the ministry that Jesus has given me to tell others about him? 
The question I'd ask, do we live like that church? Do, do we live that way? Do we tell ourselves no? Do we die to our desires? Do, do we live in a form and fashion like what we see here in the Apostle Paul? Everything running through that filter, that could just be, be led by the Holy Spirit. If it, if it comes to a place where they make fun of me or they leave me, uh, leave me out or they exclude me or, or, or for goodness sakes, one day it takes me to the place that's going to require my life. Will I follow him even there? Do we live like that to make Jesus known? My fear is that we struggle to inconvenience ourselves in the small things. So why in the world would we live in the big things? Why in the world would we lay our life down in, in something of that magnitude or that capacity? I mean, how easily offended, how, how, how easily uh, we, we get taken back by, or how, easily, how easy it is to cause us to quit pursuing and following Jesus is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Uh, knowing that right now in this world, in other countries, there are people who are gathered in houses hoping that they're not caught because it will cost them something. And I'm not talking about being made fun of. I'm talking about physical pain, physical loss. So something of great, great value to them is what it could cost them. And we see the Apostle Paul say, I don't care, man, my life's not valuable to me at all. Only for what I can do for the Lord and finish the ministry that he's given me. And, and then look at, look at verse 25 here. He says, and, and now behold, I, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So this is his goodbye. He knows that this is a, I'm not coming back from this. He knows that the Lord is leading him to a place that will eventually end in his life being taken. It's the last time they would hear from him or see him. And he, he knew the physical death awaited him. And so what does he do? He moves toward physical death. Moves toward physical death. And the reason why Paul can do that is because he's already dead. He, he was already dead. He was already dead to self. He was already dead to, uh, to preserving his own life, his own heritage, his own name. He, he was already dead to all of that stuff that doesn't matter or last eternity. He was dead to his comfort. He was dead to his longings and his wants. That's where Paul gets. That's where Paul's at. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and they're going to lead us here in a moment in a time of response. And I don't know how this will go. I don't know where this will lead. I don't know what God will do in this moment, in this time. But what I do know is the same invitation has been given to us. The same invitation has been given to us. And it may not seem like, man, man, like Scott, like this is definitely not like that warm, fuzzy, like, man, how, how, do, how do you expect to get more people to come and be a part of? Well, I'm not so crazy as to think that, that that'll happen this way. But it should. And, and this will be the message and this will be the direction and this will be the plea that we have for all of us. It's the plea that God's put on my life. It's the command that he's given me to, to lay my desires, my longings, my wants down so that I can live for him, so that I can pursue him. Boy, who cares what happens to me or what takes place in my As long as I can tell people about Jesus, as long as I can share about Jesus, I don't care how much it inconveniences me, as long as I'm able to. And that's the filter I want to run every aspect of my life through. Every aspect. And some days I do better than others. And what I know is that I'm in process, that God's working and doing. And he convicts and he draws and he convicts of sin and he encourages where he encourages. He, he does a number of things. But, but me laying down my desires and my longings and my wants is far greater, far greater than anything else in this world. 
Because what I have in that is the promise of Christ in me, living, working, and doing. And the reason why the Apostle Paul could lay down his life and not, not give a rip about his own life and his flesh and what happens to him physically is because he knew where he was eternally. He had all eternity with Jesus. That's why he wasn't living for the here and now. I mean, you even see that in his conversation where he says, man, man I really, like, really want to be dead so I can be there and be with, with God and be in eternity. But man, I'm here. What should I do? I mean, I long to and I want to die. But okay, but Lord, whatever you see fit, if you want me to be here, I'll be here now and I'll stay here. But I really want to be there. But, but you choose. I mean, he talked like a crazy man. I mean, he, he is not a dude that we would want to hang out or even put over our children. Like, that, that's not happening. But man, he was a man that would live. He was a man that got it, that understood, that felt the weight of eternity, felt, that, felt what life was truly, really about. Not what I get here, not what I can have, not what I can experience. It's eternal, man. That's what, I, that's what I'm striving for and longing for. All eternity with the God that created me. And so that's the invitation that Jesus gives, the same invitation for us. So for me, this was just birthed in my heart a few weeks ago as I just looked at where we're at as a church, where we need to be, where we need to get to. I mean, we want to be a church that plants churches. And I think God's graciously and lovingly said, ah, it's not time. As we pursued and we prayed and we thought that there was some things coming down the pike this year and it, and it didn't. And so he shut that door. But we're going, to, we're going to earnestly pursue him. And if he leads us somewhere that makes us look crazy, we're going to go. Because we know that he's leading and, and, is, and I want to follow wherever it is, whatever it looks like. So he shuts that door. But man, we stepped out and we prayed and we sought him and we went after him. And so his timing is perfect and right. And we, we want to be a church that does that. But I feel like there's a lot more in us that he needs to do and get us to that place. So he's brought another church here to come hang out with us. That we've been able to open up our doors to who for almost a, a month has been able to share the gospel and proclaim the gospel with a group of people that we're just not reaching. And so my hope in my heart is that we would grow and mature. Grow and mature. And so for us, what that means is this. Sometimes in order to grow, you've got to pull back and you've got to realize and see and assess where you're at and, and to be able to do that. And so we're supposed to be kicking off Wednesday nights full-fledged this coming week, and we're just not going to be able to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to push pause on some of that. We're still going to have the 5-6 that's going to be a go, and we're still going to have our youth group that's going to meet on Wednesday nights at 6. And we're going to pull back on the rest of it. We're going to meet with small group leaders. We're going to train small group leaders. I've got a DNA group that's about to get started, and we're going to raise up, and we're going to train leaders, and we're going to walk with them so that we can put out groups. Right now we have a group that meets on Sunday morning. We have a group that meets on Sunday night. That group meets in a home. The Sunday morning one meets here. We have one that's about to start on Friday nights. We have another one that's kind of in the waiting uh, that, that's coming. And then we have some groups. We have a college and career group that meets on, on Sunday nights. We, we have a men's group that's about to start in October on Tuesday nights. We have two women's groups. One that's going to meet here on Tuesday nights at 6.30. That men's group will meet the same time the women's does here. We'll have child care provided. We have another women's group that meets on Sunday morning. I mean, not Sunday mornings, Tuesday mornings at 10.30 here. And so, so that's where we're at. That's where we're at. And that's fine. We've just got to do the difficult work of dying to self because that's the reason why we're in the place that we're at. It's because we haven't died to self. I haven't died to self. I haven't led like I've needed to lead. And this week as I've prayed and walked through this, God's just convicted me and I've repented of the sin in my life of not being the leader that I've needed to, to, to press in where I've needed to press in and, and walk where I've needed to walk and, and do what I've needed to do. 
And you know, and you know, and you know what he's done? He's all right, all right, boy, come on, you're mine. Let's go. Let's get with it now. Let's keep pursuing. Let's keep going after. And so I guess what I'm laying before you is this: is be patient. But we're going to continue to press toward structure, toward vision, toward mission, towards discipleship. So just hang with us. We're, we're heading. It just takes time sometimes to grow up. I mean, I've, I've got three boys and I'm seeing that right now. It, it takes time to mature and grow. Shucks, I look at myself and I'm 40 and I'm nowhere near mature as I need to be. And so just hang with us. We're getting there. And then the, the next thing that I would challenge you with is this, is that in order for us to get there, people in this room need to die. What I mean by that is this. The preacher told me going to kill me. No. It's the dying that we see in the scriptures this morning. Have you ever thought of it like that? Maybe the reason why we're not as mature as we need to be is because you're not as mature as you need to be. You haven't laid down your life like Christ has asked you to lay down your life. You haven't given over and denied self like what we see here this morning in the scriptures. And I guess what I would plead with you is this. It's time. It's time to go. It's time to get involved. It's time to be a part of. It's time to lay down your life and stop following from a distance. We see what happens with Peter in that, don't we? Whenever Jesus is crucified, where's Peter? Nowhere near close to where Jesus is. He's following him at his distance. And what happens? He gets in trouble at a distance, don't he? So do we. Uh, like, like, I don't know about you, but when I go on a trip and I'm following somebody, I don't want to be five or six cars behind them, especially if it's somewhere I don't know where we're going. I want to be right all up on them. Every turn that they make, I want to make it the same way. So if they decide not to be patient and they hit that yellow light, I'm coming with them. We've got to quit following at four or five or six steps behind, and we need to be right all up in the middle of it. And so, so what I'm pressing you is this, man, we need, we need you. We need you to get involved. We need you to be a part. Man, we have got issues and struggles, and we are a mess just like any other church out there. Huh? What? Yeah, yeah, every church is a mess, and they've got struggles and issues. Just lay that out there right now. But we're asking you to be a part of our mess and our struggle and help us get our mess and our struggle somewhat cleaned up and headed in the right direction. In order for us to fully do that like Christ would want us, we need you. We want you. We're asking you to be a part of it was kind of like a conversation I had this week with someone who, who was visiting the church and just kind of, kind of talked to them, talked to them a little bit just about, about church and, and we, were, we were chatting and things like that. And I, I just, I love conversations like this because it just, it just hit me. And what, what hit me was in the conversation uh, was this, it was like, yeah, we checked out some other churches and things like that, but man, we are looking for a place where we can get involved and God can use us to help us make, make a difference in that church and in that congregation. And I said, uh, what, what, am, am I good here? What did you say? Yeah, yeah, because in that conversation, there was never a, well, well, what can it do for me or what can it do for my kids or what can it do for, uh, how will it make me feel? Or man, I just, the lights are too bright or the screen's not, and you have those motion backgrounds instead of the still ones or uh, there wasn't enough of this. Or man, your carpet's green. You know the blood's red. Why is the carpet not red? Praise God, right? I mean, there was never none of the, hey, me, 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 and what I, what I, 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 I need and want in a church is what can I bring to a church? And so, as I thought about this week, that's the heart of what we see in Luke 9. Dying to self, dying to my wants, dying to my longings. So that Christ can, because hear me, if you're full of yourself, you'll never be full of the Lord. If, if you are full of yourself, your longings, your wants, and your desires, you will never be full of Jesus. You, you will be of no use to him in that form, in that fashion, in that way. It's only when you empty yourself 
and dotted to your own desires and your own longings that you can fully live, surrender to him and be of use to him in a way that's going to honor him the way that, that he would call for us to. So I don't know, I don't know what God stirred on your heart. I don't know what he said. I don't know what he's placed on you this morning. What I do know is this, is that that's not a hateful, mean calling. It's a loving, gracious calling because what you get in return for is Jesus. That's what you get. So in the worst death that I died this week, do you know what I get? I get the promise of eternity with him and him filling me and him teaching me and shaping me and molding me all the more into his image. Because, hear me, death is awful every time. That's what I've experienced. Death is awful every time. But with Jesus, it's a little more bearable than you think. Not fun and great, but bearable and rewarding for his glory and for his honor. So I don't know where we're at this morning. This altar is open. If you don't know Jesus as Lord, I would love to have a conversation with you about that. If you do and you need to die to self and it's here, you come pray and pray in your seat. You be obedient to the calling of the Lord in your life in this moment. I'll be here. Father, help us this morning to hear from you. Do whatever you see fit in this place. Father, thank you for the difficult word that you've given us. Thank you for the promise that we have, even in the difficulties. God, we've got you, and you are enough, and you are worth it. So Jesus, do work in this place. And Father, I ask you to do that. Start in me. Break my heart, wreck me, put me back together, form me and shape me all the more into your image. Father, do that in the people in this room. We love you. We need you. Let me pray. Amen. You guys.